Ah, and we are live! Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash takesbyfans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, so however you want to watch or listen we've got you covered multiple ways all righty folks today is a big big old thursday because it is kind of the start of march madness today folks we got the play in games today not uh starting to till like five o'clock so you got I mean, we got all day to talk about it, finish up our brackets, so which is absolutely fantastic. We got the playing games today from five to like nine o'clock. The last one starts starts at like nine o'clock. Um, and then tomorrow, folks, folks, it's going to be crazy. Literally basketball all, on all day, noon, multiple games at noon, 1 o'clock, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. There's games starting at almost 10 o'clock at night tomorrow, folks. So get ready, buckle up, because March Madness is about to begin, and we're going to get you all ready. So we are finishing up the bracket today on today's show. What is it, the Southwest, Midwest region, something like that. That's the last region we've got to take a look at, and then we've got to, you know, play out the final four how is that going to play out so we will crown a champion in our bracket today on the show um, if we have time, I do want to kind of start our MVP segment for the NBA. So if we do have time, we I do want to kind of prep that a little bit. Um, I know we've been going very, very late, and I do want to still talk about March Madness Heavy, and I do want to kind of uh, get us prepared for even these playing games because I do want to try and bet some of those today and look at what those spreads are. So if we if we can make the MVP discussion for the NBA, we will do that. If not, we will try to push that. And I don't even know when we can put it on because tomorrow it's going to start. The madness is going to start tomorrow, folks. So I don't know, man. It sucks that the NBA second half of the season and March Madness are really just coinciding right at the same exact time, which is a little disappointing. But I mean, we got to talk, talk March Madness because I mean, what, what are we nuts not to do that? Come on. Um, Alrighty, and then we will be breaking down the NBA very slightly, try to get that moneymaker in as well. So we got a lot to do, so let's stop blabbing and start the show. So here we go with the stories of the day. And man, oh man, we talked about this one briefly at the end of the show yesterday, but A.J. Green has signed with the Cardinals, and I'm so glad that this man's going to have an opportunity to compete for a ring. Whenever that man was playing with the Bengals, I mean, like, eh, we it was a solid regular season team, that Bengals team with Andy Dalton and A.J. Green. Uh, but it was nothing great, and we knew they would never get past that first round of the playoffs because they never did. And they, even if they got, if they got there, if they got to the first round of the playoffs, the Bengals always beefed it. So we, you know, it just sucked this great wide receiver talent not getting a ring. But now he goes and joins DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald over there in Arizona. So now they've got a squad, folks. They have an absolute wild squad. Not only do they have Kyler Murray, who needs a little bit more respect than he's getting a little bit right now in my opinion I think this man is a fantastic talent um, I would probably put um, Patrick Mahomes 1 Lamar Jackson 2 Kyler Murray 3 or maybe even uh, Patrick Mahomes 1 Deshaun Watson 2 Kyler Murray 3 or maybe even Kyler Murray 2 if we're t ranking kind of these uh, dual threat quarterbacks of Deshaun Watson Kyler Murray Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes is obviously going to be number 1 but I think you can make the argument for Kyler Murray number 2 honestly 
He's got the arm. He's got the accuracy. Um, he is just small. He's he's the shortest of the bunch there. A little unfortunate, but he doesn't play that short, and he, he has some great es escapability and athleticism with it, kind of his height and where he is. So Kyler Murray, absolutely fantastic still. And then look at these receivers, folks. DeAndre Hopkins, obviously that's your A1 tier 1. Go to him, the uh, the uh, the Hail Murray. That's DeAndre Hopkins, folks. He will go up and get the ball. Then you got Larry Fitzgerald, lucky, you know, sure hands, old school. Larry Fitzgerald, so he's still there. Then they just bring in A.J. Green, and then they got Christian Kirk as their third. So I think they got uh, another wide receiver, Isabel, something along those lines. That's actually pretty dang good as well. So, you know, that's their fifth option if they even keep him. I don't know if they're going to keep five wide receivers like that. But um, let's just see what uh, A.J. Green can bring to this um, – this squad right here. So obviously in 2018, he got injured. That's why he only played the nine games and then he was out for the entire 2019 season. So he comes back in 2020 with a new quarterback, kind of a new head coach. They're implementing new change and he's kind of the last of the old guard there of the Bengals of kind of that Andy Dalton era. So he wasn't getting that much burn. He wasn't kind of the primary target anymore. He was still coming back from the injury and you know, he put, still put up 523 yards, two touchdowns. Not bad, not terrible, not great but you know he's kind of you know an aging out of this league wide receiver like we just said new quarterback there new head coach kind of a, just a new foundation a new offense so he wasn't getting that much burn but he was still you know pretty productive and they still had Tyler Boyd and T Higgins they still had other wide receivers besides AJ Green so he was kind of getting you know pushed out a little bit and you know that's nothing wrong with that I mean you know your time comes and it goes uh, but he's 6'4 so yes I take that I take the 6'4 wide receiver <laughs> that's been shown proven potential I mean look at I mean, he's a constant thousand yard receiver when he's the when he's the main guy to go to, like in 2011 through 2016 with him and Andy Dalton. He was getting a thousand yard receptions every single season. So no worries there. This man can definitely be good. And what's great about AJ Green going to the Cardinals right now is that he doesn't need to be the A1 tier one. They've got DeAndre Hopkins. So we can just settle in as kind of the the tier two or possibly even tier three if, you know, depending on, you know, what Larry Fitzgerald's going to do. I don't think he's going to, you know, he's kind of, you know, aging out of this league as well. So I do expect A.J. Green to kind of be the two, Larry Fitzgerald to fall back to the three a little bit, or maybe even Larry Fitzgerald to fall back to the four, uh, have Christian Kirk go up to that uh, number three. Because uh, we saw what Christian Kirk did, and then once again, I mean, just kind of how many wide receivers they already have there in Atlanta, you're going to go to DeAndre Hopkins first, and then Kyler Murray's probably going to go to the veteran of Larry Fitzgerald second. So Christian Kirk, as kind of the third wide receiver here, put up 621 yards and six touchdowns last season with the Cardinals. So this man can definitely make it work here. So, I mean, um, folks, I, I'm just saying, and then Larry Fitzgerald just last year, 400 yards offensively, but we know what this man can do, multiple thousand yard receptions. And just look at what Larry Fitzgerald can do 75% catch percentage last season absolutely magnificent sure hands Larry Fitzgerald folks so definitely got to watch out for this Cardinals team tomorrow next season the only knock that we had on the Cardinals offense this season was it just kind of fizzled out like the Seahawks did it was fantastic through the first eight weeks but after those uh after the or the, during the second half of the season the last eight weeks the last eight games just the Cardinals their offense wasn't getting it done felt like Kyler Murray was kind of really kind of heavily relying on Deion 
DeAndre Hopkins a little bit probably too much to score. So now you're bringing in another kind of deep threat wide receiver. Like we said, he's 6'4". DeAndre Hopkins is only 6'1", folks. Don't I mean, I always get surprised with DeAndre Hopkins' size. I always imagine him like 6'3", 6'4", but the man's only 6'1". So you get a nice wide receiver at Tier 1 of DeAndre Hopkins who can play the ball like he's 6'4". And then on the other side, you got 6'4". So it's going to be tough covering all these great wide receivers out here. So if they can just kind of keep their offense kind of new and fresh and not kind of just old and stale where people can figure it out like the Seahawks did last season, then uh, this team's going to be great. And then they just shored up their defense with J.J. Watt. So, I mean, what? Wah, watch out. This is going to be, oh, my goodness, they're going to be great. And I would love to see DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, A.J. Green, and J.J. Watt all win their first ring. They would all win their first ring on the same team. Kind of more Larry Fitzgerald, A.J. Green, and J.J. Watt just because they're kind of, you know, a little bit younger than DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins doesn't have you know that much experience and you know what Larry Fitzgerald and AJ Green have done for their just perspective teams and same thing with JJ Watt over there in Houston uh they both they all deserve kind of rings and if they can all get it here under one roof hey I would take that so uh Cardinals man got so much better dang Alrighty, yes, sir. Let's move on to this one. Ron Rivera has done it again, folks. I'm telling you, this is the greatest coach of all time. I don't need to see any more, folks. I truly do not see any more. This man just keeps on surprising us um, in good ways. So here we go. Washington signed wide receiver Curtis Samuel to a three-year, $34 million deal. So this is kind of one of these... Um, wide receivers that are in this free agent period. It's Curtis Samuel. It was Emmanuel Sanders before he got picked up. It's Juju Smith-Schuster. It's Will Fuller. So Curtis Samuel was kind of the first one of that bunch to go, and he goes to Washington. Great chance of success here. They already have kind of a good emerging wide receiver in um, uh, McLaurin. Terry McLaurin, yep, and uh, then we got uh, Curtis Samuel here, and look what Curtis Samuel did last season, folks. Last season, he got a hundred and or 851 yards receiving, three touchdowns, and we have to mention that he was kind of their third wide receiver there. He only started five games. The top two wide receivers were um, uh, Curtis Samuel and... Um, Robbie Anderson, and those were 2,000-yard wide receivers, and then Teddy B's got to sprinkle in the third with 800. So what are we talking about? Teddy Bridgewater can play. He's got multiple 1,000-yard receivers, and then his third wide receiver here, Curtis Samuel, was almost at 1,000 with 851 yards. So yes, this man can play. Yes, this man can get it done. When you're the third wide receiver on a team and you're still putting up 851 yards, and I mean, I don't want to knock you know, the Cardinals but or Kyler Murray or the Cardinals, but if I have a chance to elevate Teddy Bridgewater a little bit, I am going to do that. Um, um, you know, Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk were kind of, you know, intermingling kind of the number two and three just a little bit. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins was the number one, but just last season, I mean, the number two slash three wide receiver in the league or for the Cardinals only put up 600 yards or 400 yards, whatever you want to give it to. Larry Fitzgerald or Christian Kirk as the number three, uh, but Curtis Samuel at the, as the number three because of Teddy B putting up 800 yards, so... Come on, come on, come on. Uh, but back to Washington here. Got an absolute stud at wide receiver. Uh, just making it so much easier for um, the quarterback. Oh, man. Um, who's the quarterback for Washington? Dang it. Um Heineke, Taylor Heineke, how could we forget? Um, so Taylor Heineke has got some nice weapons on the perimeter now. They, they kind of beefed up their running game a little bit, bringing in... 
Oh my God, I, for, I forgot that as well. Who they just bring in the other day? We just put it on the show. Uh, they got Antonio Gibson as their obviously number one starting running back, and then they just brought in. Uh, Lamar Miller as kind of their second back. So they are kind of shoring up pieces. Once again, Ron Rivera staying cool, calm, collected through this entire kind of free agency period right now saying, hey, if we don't get the best guys, that's fine. But we're going to make it work with whoever we get here because I know how to coach. I can elevate players. I think the roster that we have right now can elevate talent. And I'm all about it. So definitely got to wash out for Washington next year. I'm telling you, this is clearly already the best team in the NFC East, folks. You got to put Washington up there. This kind of culture, Ron Rivera is building right now. I want to go play for Washington. Sign me up for Washington. I want to be in that locker room. I want to be in the presence of all this kind of great emerging talent here in Washington. Watch out for the football team, folks. They're coming. If they just get a name, oof. If they get a name, it's 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 over for everybody. They're winning Super Bowls after Super Bowls. <laughs> they just need the name now. All righty, all right, here we go. Rams Twitter account praising Jared Goff. Okay, this is not what Jared Goff wants to hear. He wants a formal apology written by Sean McVay, and then he also wants to get back to the Rams and be promised a starting position with kind of like a four-year, $200 million contract. That's what Jared Goff's looking for, an apology, not a Twitter post of all his accomplishments, four winning seasons, three playoff appearances, two NFC West titles, one Super Bowl appearance, and an endless amount of memories off the field and in the community thank you Jared Goff so Jared Goff doesn't care about this and then they got a nice little infographic over here spanning three different kind of pages Jared Goff does not want to hear this he uh, this this social media for the Rams mean nothing to Jared Goff Jared Goff wants praise he wants recognition and he also he also wants respect and Sean McVay had kind of the ultimate disrespect trading him away from Matt Stafford an aging quarterback who really can't stay that healthy he does get injured and he does play through the injuries which we definitely do respect to Matthew Stafford but still at the end of the day you know he's aging out of this league having back problems not the greatest investment at the quarterback position so yes Jared Goff does not want this kind of Twitter apology he wants Sean McVay to come out right off the rip and be like hey we got it wrong Jared Goff was the guy uh, I can't coach Jared Goff is a better quarterback than I am a coach and I am sorry Jared Goff that's what he's looking for not all of his accomplishments here on Twitter so watch out for the revenge season of Jared Goff if he can kind of make up the dysfunction of that kind of Lions coaching staff because I don't think it's going to be that good of uh, Dan Campbell over there so if he can kind of you know work work that out and try to get that revenge. I would love to see that. But uh, maybe the organization may hold him back a little bit. Ugh, Jared Goff. A little um, tr super unfortunate. He's kind of like... Um um, Josh Rosen 2.0 a little bit. Yeah, they actually used Jared Goff instead of um, Josh Rosen where they just kind of threw him to the curve after one season. Um, and then he never got any burn after that. So Jared Goff, man, truly unfortunate. But I definitely wish him the success and watch out for that revenge season. The man's going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder. Alrighty, and then we get a backup quarterback signing for the Giants here. Mike Lennon signing as the backup for the Giants. And, you know, that's fine. I got no problem with that. Um, I was kind of wondering where kind of I would put Mike Lennon as kind of backup quarterbacks. I thought I would put him pretty high. I thought I would kind of, you know, just kind of hearing, oh, yeah, Mike Lennon, he always seems serviceable. But when we look at the stats, this man cannot win a game today. <laughs> 
<laughs> cannot win a game to save this man's life. His career record is 6-21. and 21, Absolutely trash. We know he's a career backup. That's fine. So when we kind of just look at the seasons that he played kind of four or more games, and he's got a couple of seasons where he only played like two games, we're not going to get a big old read on that. Uh, but these game, these seasons that he played four or more games, the first season in 2013 went 4-9, 59% completion percentage, 2,600 yards, 19 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. That touchdown to interception ratio is actually pretty good. I'll give him that. Just the completion percentage wasn't quite there. Uh, so a little unfortunate in tw 2013 where he was actually kind of the starter, played 13 games, started 13 games. Um, and then he never kind of got back to a solid starting job. 2014, the very next season, went 1-4, 57% completion percentage, 10 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. So the touchdown-interception ratio is coming down a little bit. Not great. Um, and then in 2017, he played four games, went 1-3. Once again, not great. 66% uh, completion percentage. I'll give him that. But once again, we get something bad here. Four touchdowns, five interceptions. That is trash. We cannot be having that. And then just came this season in 2020, playing five games for the Jags losing all five of those games um, and then in the five game stretch he put up a thousand yards seven touchdowns five interceptions so once again that touchdown interception ratio very very um, not great if it's not even at two it's not great we don't want anything to do with this so uh, Mike Lennon not as good as I was kind of thinking he was but um, as a backup uh, I mean Daniel Jones he's obviously the starter here we all know this the general manager has said it we have said it so we know it's true um, so yeah, just a little backup notice here. He is going to the Giants. Alrighty, let's move on to some Juju Smith-Schuster news. Uh, the Jets have had conversations with three agent wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster. So, I mean, we know he's going to go somewhere. Doesn't seem like the Steelers are going to resign him. Didn't really kind of seem like he wanted to be there. We just saw the Twitch stream the other day saying that... Uh, March 17th, he's a free man. So, um, not sure where he's going to go. Looking like he's possibly going to go to the Jets. And actually, Sam Darnold was his college quarterback. Uh, so, that's a little interesting antidote there if he kind of goes pairs back up with Sammy D. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I, Juju Smith-Schuster, he's a good talent. Do not get me wrong. But the off-field antics, man, you really do have to take that into account. Did he learn from that TikTok stunt? Did Mike Tomlin really get through to him? Or was it just Mike Tomlin just kind of being like, hey, you're not doing that? End of story. End of the discussion. And Juju Smith-Schuster, once he leaves you know, Pittsburgh and goes to a new team, maybe he's like, all right, I can do it again because Mike Tomlin's not here. You know what I mean? So if he continues on with the TikTok, I definitely do not want him in the Dolphins because you're just getting you're just giving extra motivation and extra fuel to the defense folks and I don't you can ask anybody that is a thousand percent true you are giving extra momentum to the opponent and that is something you do not want to do when you have to spend a week getting prepared for one game one game takes an entire week of preparation and if you're blowing that entire week's a week's worth of preparation five minutes before the game I'm pissed I'm pissed as the coach I'm pissed as a teammate I'm pissed at everybody um so We'll see where he goes, but watch out for the Jets. They may uh, scoop him up, and if then Richard Sherman goes there, they could have a decent kind of star-studded uh, team. It just like, will the pieces be able to fit together under Robert Sala? That's where the question mark lies. So, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster to the Jets, potentially. All right, let's keep moving on here. And I wasn't going to bring up this story because it was only one case and it was kind of like two or three days ago. But now this could be bad. This could be something. This could be big. So here it is. The Houston lawyer for Deshaun or the Houston lawyer now says that there will be six different lawsuits filed against Deshaun Watson against sexual um, uh, assault allegations. So I just heard one the other day, probably two or three days ago. And then Deshaun Watson took to Instagram or Twitter or something like that and was like, hang on. 
on. You don't know. All, no, I'm I'm clearing my name right away. I did not do anything um, like they're saying. This is nonsense, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I gave I took him at his word. I was like, oh, OK, this is probably nothing. It's only one person, one incident, uh, probably just clout chasing. He was big in the news in the kind of the sports world because of him not wanting to be in Houston. So maybe, you know, this person is just trying to take advantage. Maybe, you know, we've seen that happen. We've also seen it not happen. So don't come after me. I'm just painting a broad picture here. Uh, but then we just get the story just uh, coming out last night that now there is six cases. And when we kind of uh, de dive a little bit deeper into this article right here, let's just read it very quickly, kind of a short article. So Deshaun Watson could be forced to defend himself against six lawsuits. He defended himself against the one, as we just said. Less than 24 hours after a Texas woman filed a sexual harassment and assault civil lawsuit against Deshaun Watson, we know we now... We now have two more women claiming the same thing. So it started at one. Now it was two, but we're getting even more. Here we go. Hours later, uh, Houston attorney Tony Busby took to Instagram to announce a third lawsuit has been filed and that three more are coming. Oh, my goodness. So this is from the lawyer. This is now the quote from the lawyer, Tony Busby, quote, third lawsuit of now six to be filed against Deshaun Watson, alleging assault. This one is the most egregious to date. Ooh, that's not something you want your want a lawyer to be saying. Oh, my God, this one's the most egregious. Yikes. Not great. Um, all right. Then uh, continuing on with the quote here again, I won't share details, but we have open courts in our Texas Constitution meeting. All lawsuits are public record. Our staff has re received numerous calls. Calls. Uh, we, we screen each one, and I personally talk at, with and screen any individual on whose behalf we file. I've been doing this a long time. I don't need, quote, fame. And to be quite honest, and I say this as modestly as possible, um, if I never made another penny, I would be quite okay. All right, well, stop with the humble brag that you're rich and you don't need any money. I, I don't care about that. I mean, I, I wouldn't think a lawyer is coming out for, quote, fame and saying that he needs money. I would not expect that from a lawyer. Um, so... We'll see if these allegations are true or not, but if there's six coming out, man, oh, man. Um, and then uh, just to get some context, um, the end of the article right here, the first two women were both massage therapists and both suits alleged similar behavior, similar behavior by Watson with each alleged victim claiming that the quarterback arranged a massage by initially contacting contacting them through his Instagram account. So he's going to some, some, some massage parlors and then, you know, getting, you know, sexually assaulting these women. So we'll see what's going to come out of this, but uh, massage parlors getting everybody in trouble recently. Robert Kraft, Deshaun Watson, not going to bring up the entire incident, but we all know what's going on right now. Um, so yeah, not, uh, not great there for Deshaun Watson. And then we get another report here that uh, Panthers are locked in on trading for Deshaun Watson. And when we kind of like dive a little bit deeper into this article, I was just kind of seeing, you know, what their information was. Why do they think that the Panthers are still going in on um, Deshaun Watson? And there's really nothing concrete here. We get the trading for Watson is referred to, quote, as plan A, B, and C for the Panthers. So we get a quote there. Not sure who said that, if it's somebody in the organization. But then, um, so, you know, getting Deshaun Watson is not going to be easy. We know this. The Texans don't even want to trade this man. Deshaun Watson wants out, but the organization wants to keep him. And then we just saw... 
what happened with the Bears of um, of what the Bears were offering Seattle, you know, three first-round picks, two starters, and they still didn't take that deal. So I wanted to just kind of see what the Panthers were offering for Deshaun Watson. Is it anything really different? And it's really not. So here we go. The Panthers' offer would probably include, and then once again, probably include. So this man's just writing an article coming off of some nonsense and just saying, oh, well, you know, if they want to get Deshaun Watson, they probably have to give this, this, and this. Okay, so they haven't even said that they're willing to give up all that. So... I still don't believe the story that the Texans or that the Panthers are going that hard after Deshaun Watson and trying to get rid of Teddy Bridgewater. I'm still not buying that story in totality. Uh, but the Panthers' offer would probably include their first three, their first round draft picks in this year's draft and in 2022 and 2023. And that's what the Bears were going to give up for Russell Wilson: three first round picks in the next three year drafts. Um, and that was really it. Even that may not be enough to get the Texans to make the trade. Yes. I mean, Russell Wilson didn't get traded with all those picks and two starters. So yes, just your picks enough is not going to be enough. So I'm still not buying Deshaun Watson to the Panthers. I think the Panthers are still sticking with Teddy B, Teddy B folks. So. Alrighty, keep moving on here. Patrick Chong thought he was going to come back. He took last season off for COVID, and I thought he would come back and help Bill Belichick out with his kind of huge free agency, you know, pickups these last couple of days. But Patrick Chung says, no, 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 I am done. Unfortunately, Patrick Chung has announced his retirement from the NFL and, uh, you know, does a little quote here. Uh, do we want to read this? He just kind of gives praise to Bill Belichick and Mr. Kraft for the opportunity and just kind of the classic boilerplate, you know, announcement stuff. Stuff, retirement announcement stuff. So um, I like to see everybody kind of giving love for Billy B. We went through a period where everybody was kind of slandering Bill Belichick for about, it wasn't that long. It was maybe like a season, maybe just an off season, kind of like what we had with LeBron James a few years ago, where like all these younger players were saying like LeBron James isn't like that good. And, you know, yeah, maybe the old players like LeBron James, but this new generation didn't really like him. And that only lasted for about, you know, a season or an off season. And then everybody's back to loving LeBron James because Obviously, that's nonsense of you not respecting uh, LeBron James, and it's nonsense for you not respecting Billy B. So I love that everybody's giving praise to him. Patrick Chung just did it in his um, retirement announcement. Uh, Cam Newton just praised Bill Belichick a lot kind of through this offseason, saying that he's just uh, misunderstood. He's actually a really great guy. I love learning from this man, all that. Uh, so I love seeing Bill Belichick get all this praise. I mean, when you build this dynasty and you, you kind of don't get true respect, you know, a lot of people are blaming, hey, you know, Tom Brady actually carried you. And then you still had supporters that, you know, it is a system that Bill Belichick had. But, you know, not getting all that recognition and, you know, having kind of a majority of, you know, people thinking, you know, more than kind of 50% th thinking that, hey, you actually really didn't do anything winning all those titles. It would be frustrating. I would be frustrated if I didn't get the credit I deserve. Um, so this kind of new wave of everybody respecting Bill Belichick, I think I'm about it. I think I'm truly about it. So um, unfortunately, Patrick Chung not rejoining Bill Belichick this year. Uh, I'm going to hurt the defense uh, a little bit, a little bit. <coughs> Alrighty, keep moving on here with some uh, interesting news. I did not see this one coming. This one kind of blindsided me. So here we go. Broncos are rescinding the restricted free agent tender on running back Philip Lindsay, making him an unrestricted free agent. So he's probably, he's basically not going to be a Bronco next year. Uh, we saw last season it was Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon kind of splitting backs, you know, running back by committee. I'm all about running back by committee, folks. I got no problem with that. And that is kind of the wave that the NFL is going. Let's get two solid running backs that we can kind of interchange. We saw with the Saints, with... Um, 
Alvin Kamara and uh, Mark Ingram. And then we're seeing it with the the Ravens this season. And, you know, their offense is a little bit different because, you know, they're, they are kind of a more heavy run offense. But they got three great running backs over there. We just saw it last year with the Broncos, Phil Lindsay, and... Um, Melvin Gordon, another team is doing it right now. I forgot. Oh, darn. Uh, they just picked up a running back in free agency. Um, I know we talked about it, but I can't recall the specifics. And then just the Colts as well. I mean, you got Nehem Hines and Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack. I mean, that's three great running backs right there. So you definitely need running back by committee. The only running back you don't need committee by is Derrick Henry with the Texans. He can do it all himself. He, he can run 40 times a game. He's got no problem. He never gets tired. Um, but anyway, back to here with the Broncos and Philip Lindsay. I mean, this man's a young running back in this league. And he's absolutely fantastic. Uh, where is he at? Here he is. Um, I mean, first two seasons right off the rip, 1,000-yard rushes, absolutely fantastic. 1,000 yards in 2018, his first season with um, nine touchdowns. And in 2019, 1,000 uh, yards once again with seven touchdowns. So absolutely fantastic. And then came 2020 when he had to kind of split carries with Melvin Gordon, 500 yards, only started eight games, and one touchdown. So this man can definitely be the number one running back on a team. He's proven it the first two seasons. Took a little bit of a backseat role with Melvin, with Melvin Gordon got there but I really thought that they would have kept both of them honestly I mean why wouldn't you keep two very very good quarterbacks or running backs especially when you don't have that great quarterback you have Drew Locke right now that's your quarterback right now so really don't understand the move but I mean this is a great running back to pick up if you need a running back kind of at depth or if you want a number one Philip Lindsay's the way to go he's a big physical runner he can um he can run for the thousand he can truck you he's good at that I mean it's I I just do not get the decision here of letting this man walk so definitely can help any team running back philip Lindsay, folks this man is good this man is good Alrighty, moving on, and I thought I was going to get some juicy details inside the kind of quarterback competition of Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston in New Orleans because Drew Brees just kind of had so a couple of quotes on him. So just the um, the quote of this headline or this article being written, Drew Brees expects, quote, good quarterback competition between Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. So I was like, oh, I'm going to get Drew Brees' perspective on who should be starting because I think it should be Taysom Hill. Um, but, I, you know, Drew Brees was with them every single day. He would probably know a little bit better than I would so I was I was like yes I can I can get some information here I can kind of you know am I right do because if Drew Brees agrees with you you're pretty much right and I would have taken that but we get some walk around circle quotes here so here's the quote two big quotes here we'll read them no information really given just classic, hey, they're both great. They're both going to do good. They, You know, whoever gets the jobs, really. Uh, Drew, just tell us who should win it. Damn it. Damn you, Drew. Um, and you want to go to NBC and, you know, just kind of have all this walk-around talk? Come on. Break the news. Break it. Uh, but here's the quote from Drew Brees. Quote, I'm really excited for the opportunity that Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston have. Um, I can tell you how much fun we had together as a, as a quarterback room. Really a great group of guys. A great group of human beings. Guys that really love the game of football. Love their teammates. We love to work hard. We love to push each other. Blah, blah, blah. This is nonsense, folks. Um, all right, keeping on here. It was highly competitive, but at the same time, we were all there to support one another and help one another because we just wanted the team to win, blah, blah, blah. Drew Brees is like, hey, I, and nobody's taking my job here, so yes, I'm having fun. These two other guys are competing for contracts. Um, all right, another quote here. Here we go. As you saw last year, there were moments where Taysom Hill had to start and did a phenomenal job for four games. There was a moment where Jameis had to come off the bench in the second half of the 49ers game where I had the ribs and the lung injury. 
He came in and did a phenomenal job. Um, once again, he uses phenomenal job by both quarterbacks, so we don't even get an insight there. Oh, this one was phenomenal, but this one was amazing. Then we could have tried to analyze the words. We can't even do that here. Drew Brees is giving us nothing. Damn it. Um, all right, keeping on with the quote. I told y'all it was long. It, long about nonsense. Wild. All right, here we go. I've seen so much growth and maturity from both of these guys. Once again, just blah. Oh, my gosh. I, I was getting so frustrated reading this. Um, so... As I've, I, I've seen so much growth and maturity from both these guys over the last few years for Taysom Hill and then the last year for Jameis, we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. This man really said, hey, I've been working with these guys for a long time, and we'll see how it plays out. <sighs> it sounds like there's going to be a pretty good quarterback competition. This man, <laughs> oh my God, damn you, Drew. You had inside knowledge, and you're saying, hey, it sounds like there's going to be pretty good quarterback competition, but it's going to bring out the best of both of them. Drew Brees literally giving us nothing, nothing here, using phenomenal for both quarterbacks, saying I've been there for a long time, but it sounds like, it sounds like I'm not there anymore, but it sounds like you just left. You were there. Come on. So super disappointed in Drew Brees here, not spilling the tea, not telling us who's the better quarterback. So now we just have to go out and say it ourselves. So we'll say it ourselves. It's Taysom Hill. <laughs> Taysom Hill will be the starter. Um, yeah, Drew Brees, truly, truly upsetting there. All right. And then we get this tweet um, out here, which quarterback has the most to prove in 2021 and why? So I want to just kind of go through the comments here, the uh, the responses to see what people are saying. I want to see what people are saying and see if I agree. Uh, so let's see what we get here. I have not previewed any of these comments, so let's just see what people are saying here. All right, first one up. I think Matt Stafford, Carson Wentz, and Matt Ryan are under the most pressure to win, um, all for different reasons. Uh, Goff has a lot to prove now as well. Was it only because the coach was in his ear until the last moment? I mean, yeah, I mean, he, this man brings up some great quarterbacks here. Matt Stafford, because he just left an organization to come to the Rams who are kind of saying, hey, we're only a quarterback away. So, yes, Matt Stafford has to come in and immediately kind of win now. He has to do what kind of Tom Brady did. Um, I'll, I'll give Matt Stafford kind of two years. I'll give him, you know, kind of, you know, the the first year just to kind of get everything acclimated. I've got no problem with that. Having Brady win year one, I mean, it's a little ridiculous that he did that and I definitely praise the heck out of the man for doing so. But um, I I'm not going to knock people for not using that first year as kind of a buffer year to get acclimated. So we'll give Matt Stafford two years, but he definitely has to come out year one and kind of definitely get it done and be competitive and have a winning record and have a chance of getting to the playoffs that first year. It really should get to the playoffs year one, regardless if they get to the championship game or not. But um, yeah, we got to see at least a good momentum building for year two if Matt Stafford doesn't make it uh, to the Super Bowl year one. Carson Wentz, yeah, a lot to prove. I mean, your franchise, the team that drafted you, that told you you were the franchise guy, just got rid of you for a younger guy. Um, and Carson Wentz can't stay healthy. So, and kind of this Colts team is once again kind of like the Matthew Stafford um, kind of. Um, scenario where you know they're just a quarterback away the Colts are just a quarterback away we've got the offense we've got the defense we just need somebody to deliver the ball so Carson Wentz he needs to prove that he can stay healthy and kind of you know do better than what Philip Rivers did because if you're not doing what's what is what Philip Rivers did but better then you're not going to win any championships in your career and now we're talking about 16 years in the league yes you have longevity stats but you don't have a ring or a getting to the actual game to show for any of that so you're just Philip Rivers. And do you really want to be Philip Rivers when you could be Tom Brady or Eli Manning or, you know, Aaron Rodgers? Come on. 
Um, and then Matt Ryan. Um, yeah, he's definitely under a little bit pressure to win. Um, the team overall is going through a little bit of a rebuild, so I don't think there's too much pressure on Matt Ryan. There should be, um, but I don't think there's that much pressure on Matt Ryan. And then, yes, obviously, Jared Goff. We've been saying this for the entire season now. Is it Jared Goff or was it Sean McVay? Why did this Rams offense not work? Because they do have nice pieces offensively, defensively. And Jared Goff seems like he can play the game of football. He got to the Super Bowl. So we do have to respect that at some level. Um, but this definitely, this season is definitely going to tell all here uh, for the Rams and Goff and Sean McVay. Alrighty, another post here, another comment. Baker Mayfield has so much pressure this season. Hmm, okay. Can he follow up what he did in the second half of the 2020 season? Will he fall off after leading the Browns into the playoffs? Will his play warrant him being in every other commercial on Sunday? Will OBJ be his downfall? Um, I think uh, Baker Mayfield doesn't have that much to prove. Obviously, you want to kind of, your, your quarterbacks to really kind of, you know, always get better and get better every single season. So I get it from that standpoint. But um, I think he definitely silenced a lot of critics and a lot of doubters this season. He's still very young in his career, folks. He's what, three seasons in, four seasons in, going into his fourth season. So he's still very young in this league. Um, definitely could definitely be better. I mean, Obviously, everybody could be better, but um, him getting to the playoffs and how kind of well he played didn't really turn over the over the ball too much. Um, and now, yes, we do give uh, a lot of that credit to the head coach. Don't get us wrong for scheming his way, but we still got to give credit for Baker Mayfield for making the plays and not turning the ball over. So I don't think he has that much to prove or that much pressure. It's still solid pressure, especially if he's going to keep doing these commercials. It's going to just be more um, pressure because of that. But um, I think he kind of bought himself maybe a year. Um, not kind of like Matthew Stafford and Carson Wentz who kind of need to win right now. Um, I think Matt Stafford has kind of bought himself a year with this rebuild. I think Baker Mayfield has kind of bought an extra year just because of how well he played this season. All right, Cam Newton, number one, Carson Wentz, number two, Matthew Stafford, number three. Yeah, Cam Newton's got a lot to prove this season. Um, they just brought in so many weapons, decent weapons, not solid weapons, decent weapons, tight ends, and wide receivers, and that's what Cam Newton didn't have last season. They had nothing. They had Julian Edelman. Mm, okay, that's my number one. You're telling me Julian Edelman, a slot receiver, is my number one option? Well, we're screwed. <laughs> So, yeah, Cam Newton, he needs to cut the turnovers. He needs to start passing the ball a little bit better, get some more passing touchdowns, definitely keep running. Uh, I've got no problem with that. But um, now the expectations are a little bit higher. Now the offense, you know, you've got decent pieces. You've got workable pieces. Let's frame it like that. They've got workable pieces, pieces that have worked as kind of the number twos in other situations, worked very well. Now coming all together, trying to make it work, you've got to make it work here, Cam. So, yeah, I would definitely say Cam Newton has a lot of pressure on him this season definitely more than last season um because he got a deal he got another deal so pressure is still on one year deal pressure is still on looks like deshaun watson since the past couple of days yeah i mean there's there's a lot of pressure with those uh sexual assault <laughs> allegations coming out in a way kyler murray they have slacked the team around with recent moves and now has he has great weapons. All the pressure is on him. If he doesn't get them deep in the playoffs, it falls on his shoulders. Um, Yeah, I would put some of the blame on Kyler Murray for kind of the lack of success in the back half of the season. But I would also definitely put it on the offensive coordinator because, I mean, that's what we're putting the blame with the Seahawks. And the Seahawks and the Cardinals really had the same exact season um, this season. So great in the first half, bad in the second half, just kind of got figured out. So, yes, Kyler Murray is definitely, you know, a little of that kind of why they fell apart in the back half. But definitely their offense coordinator not switching it up, not being creative. So Kyler Murray definitely has pressure because they've got better weapons now. So yeah, you got to be a little bit better. But I would say maybe the offense coordinator has a little bit more pressure than Kyler Murray.
Um, let's take uh, one more, maybe. What's this one? I would say Jameis Winston. I think we have seen the best Cam had to offer the year he took his team to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, that was his best season. Uh, Cam career is close to the end. Yep. While Jameis is young and he is closer to a do-or-die situation with the Saints. Yeah, he brings up a good point here. Jameis Winston is kind of in a do-or-die situation with the Saints because if you didn't take that first year, well, your only year with Drew Brees and learn anything from that and then you get promoted to the starter of of his former te- or yeah of his former team he, the face of his team Drew Brees is the face of the Saints forever uh, so Jameis Winston comes in doesn't learn anything from Drew Brees still throwing all those interceptions not getting you know more than eight or nine wins in a season yeah Jameis Winston's probably gonna be out of the league they're like well you just learned from the best and still couldn't make it work what are we gonna teach you what is kind of you know a quarterback competition between you and Drew Locke what is that gonna teach you if you can't even learn from Drew Brees so yeah I think this man brings up a really good point here James Winston is in a do or die situation if he is promoted to the starter. Um, if he's still a backup, you know, that's fine. Then there's no pressure on him. But if he's the starter of the Saints over Taysom Hill, you beat him out. Now the pressure is on because now your time is officially ticking of kind of how many more chances do you have at the starting quarterback position. Um, Alrighty, that was good. All right, that went a lot better than I thought it was going to be. So a lot of great points out here. Very well done to everybody. I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed by y'all. Alrighty, let's switch over to some basketball news. And the first one I do want to bring up is, hey, Obama, he does the brackets every single season. And uh, that's this season is no different. So President Obama picked out or filled out his bracket. And I just kind of want to quickly kind of compare his bracket to our bracket, to what we've done so far. Obviously, we haven't done the Midwest region, but we've done the West, the South, and the East. So let's kind of just compare what is what is Barry thinking compared to us. Does he listen to the show? Because I, I think he does because we saw something. Um, so here we go. Let's just see who his final four are are going to be very quickly. Out of the West, it's Gonzaga. Out of the South, it's Baylor. And out of the East, it's Michigan. Now, with our bracket, let's get ours up here. We do have Gonzaga coming out of the West. We do have Baylor coming out of the South. Uh, and we do have Michigan getting to the Elite Eight in the South. But we have BYU upsetting Michigan for that final four spot. So Obama has um, BYU not even getting out of the first round. Is that right? Wow, they got he's got Michigan State with the upset over BYU. So we little, little disagreement there. Uh, kind of a big disagreement. So uh, that's where we bigly disagree. Uh, but I kind of want to point out here in the West, we had those two big upsets, the 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 12 beating the 5 and the 13 beating the 4 all in the West, uh, USCB beating Creighton and Ohio beating Virginia, and Obama's got the same things, folks. Yes, sir, USCB, USCB upsetting Creighton by Obama and Ohio beating Virginia upset by Obama. So does he, lo- does he watch the show, folks? He may. I think he does. I mean, who's calling besides us the UCSB and Ohio upset? I I don't know, man. This is the only other bracket I saw that had both of those upsets. So I think he watches the show, folks. I think President Obama watches the show. And if you don't watch it, you're telling me you're better than Obama? That's a little disrespectful. Um, the one difference that he does have uh, with the USCB in Ohio State, or just Ohio, uh, he's got Ohio beating USCB in the second round where we have it the other way. We got USCB beating um, Ohio. He's got Ohio beating USCB. Uh, so a little different there. 
All right, what else do we get here? Any other big upsets that he's got? Let's see what he's doing with Winthrop. Oh, he's got Villain over over Winthrop. Oh, poor choice. Barry, come on. This Winthrop team is good, man. Uh, he must have not watched our South coverage. You watched our West, co our West coverage. Uh, not Did not watch or take our advice with the South at all. Um, and then we, I think we had another upset in the South as well. Oh, we got Colgate. Does he, uh, does he agree with our big old Colgate upset? The number 14, 14th seed in the South, making it all the way to the elite eight against Baylor. Let's see what Barry's got going on here. Uh, Colgate, Colgate. Where are they at? Where's Colgate at? Oh, I was looking at the wrong one. That's why. Um, right here. Uh, Colgate. Right there. Ah, oh, he's got Arkansas beating Colgate in the first round. Barry, really letting us down in the south. He had us in the west, that, or in the east, fantastic, but he's letting us down in the south. Truly unfortunate. Um, all right. Is that it? Is that all the upsets we've really kind of called the big ones? Um, let's see what he's doing with ACU. So we got ACU beating... Texas that is kind of our last upset that we called in the east let's see if number 14 ASU or ACU upsets Texas according to Obama and he's got Texas beating Albine Christian so all right he agrees with us on the US UCSB in Ohio doesn't agree with us with Winthrop Colgate or ACU all righty all right, Obama. We'll see if we agree with you. We'll probably come back at the end of the show, see if we agree that Gonzaga is going to be the winner and uh, faces Illinois in the final two. And we'll see kind of what he's doing here in the Midwest Conference. Doesn't seem like he's picking any big upsets here in the Midwest. I think all those are pretty much standard. All righty. So, Obama. All right. Decent bracket. I'll, get, I'll give the man a little respect for his bracket there. <laughs> Alrighty, moving on here. Alrighty, the NBA and the NBA Players Association has agreed to new protocols for individuals with COVID-19 vac COVID vaccination. Now, Adam Silver kind of came out maybe last week and said that, hey, um, we're not forcing our players to get the COVID vaccination. But now the NBA is making it kind of a lot more benefits if you do get the vaccination. So I don't really like that. And I think this kind of is some signs for what is to come in the entire country. But hey, we're not going to get into all that. So we'll just leave it here. Uh, if an NBA player gets the COVID-19 vaccination, they can leave their hotel room anytime they want on kind of road games where, you know, they are kind of kind of quarantining on road games in their own hotel room. They cannot leave except for kind of, you know, team drills and all that team meetings. So if you get the COVID-19 vaccination, you can leave your hotel room anytime. You can eat at outdoor restaurants. You can interact with any other person at home and no masks at practice facilities. So a lot of incentives here to get the COVID-19 vaccination. Um, we're trying to leave political opinions out of this, but um, I would just kind of, if even if you don't watch basketball, let's just uh, keep these um, keep this in mind. I will, we'll just leave it at that. Alrighty, and then the last story to talk about here, um, which is kind of funny, um, kind of funny and not funny. So Myers Leonard uh, of the Heat <clears throat> kind of got in a lot of trouble recently for using an anti-Semitic slur while Twitch streaming. Um, so he is going to be traded from the Heat to the Thunder 
for a 2027 second round pick and Trevor Ariza to so Myers Leonard's going from Miami to OKC and OKC is sending over Trevor Ariza and a 2027 second round pick so once Myers Leonard gets to OKC they're just going to cut him the man is not going to have a future in this NBA anymore uh so Woj tweets once the trade is complete there is no expectation that uh Leonard would be a part of the Thunder team moving forward so it seems like his time is done in the league unfortunate unfortunate uh maybe not unfortunate whatever um um already those are the stories we needed to cover for today let's quickly go over what happened in the nba we are running out of time once again these stories going late here a lot of news to cover so um unfortunate and we still got march madness to do so let's just go over the nba very quickly last night here we go the raptors losing to the pistons and the raptors had fred van vliet and siakam back they still didn't have og ananubi a little unfortunate and um so raptors lose to the pistons um not great but uh missing some key pieces and first game backs for kind of their key pieces as well i do want to shout out norman powell for the raptors a little bit here 43 big old points yes sir this man always steps up um so love seeing that from him when you know siakam and fred van vliet were all out he had you know some decent games and uh he's usually the only person that really steps up big time uh besides the other big starters of kyle lowry fred van vliet and pascal siakam so uh loving what norman powell is doing for this raptors team Alrighty, Nets and Pacers, one of our moneymaker picks from last night. The Nets minus three, and come game time, Kyrie Irving is out, but we still felt confident because we get the MVP, James Harden, yes sir, so we still kind of... Uh, we did. We I thought about kind of tweeting, hey, the bet is off now because of no Kyrie Irving, but I wanted to re- let it ride because of James Harden. Um, and James Harden kind of proves us right here. 40 points, 15 assists, and 10 rebounds on 48% shooting. Absolutely magnificent job by this man, and we can always count on him. Do not count out James Harden ever, ever. And once again, I do kind of want to point out, yes, the Nets are deep, folks. Look at this. Tyler Johnson, 15 points off the bench. Jeff Green, 15 points, 9 rebounds off the bench. Nicholas Claxton has been absolutely magnificent this last kind of week, two weeks. And Nicholas Claxton, 11 points and 8 rebounds off the bench. Come on. Give this team the respect it deserves. It's not just Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. It's barely ever Kevin Durant because he hasn't been playing. And it's barely Kyrie Irving because he hasn't been playing. He's been playing a little bit more than Kevin Durant. But come on. James Harden is the focal point of this team. And then Joe Harris, 19 points, 5 of 7 from 3 in the starting rotation. Yes, mother-loving sir. This team is great. Do not do not sleep on this Nets team just because, oh, Kyrie is out. Oh, KD is out. No, they're more than that. Nobody sees it. Ugh. All right, and then we have to knock the Pacers now because they just lost to the Nets. I mean, Karis LeVert's first game back to the Nets. He had a all right game, 19 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds, shot not great, 37% and 3 of 8 from 3. So, I mean, the points were there, second leading score. DeBontis Sabonis, 18 points, 11 assists, 11 rebounds. I mean, they were kind of winning this entire game, but James Harden goes off in the fourth quarter, and that's kind of what we say about this Pacers team. They've got no great big, and they cannot close out any game. So, they lose it in the fourth. Uh, Nets win by nine. We had a minus three because James Harden is the MVP, folks. Yes, sir. 
Alrighty, then we go to the Bucks and the 76ers. Unfortunately, the 76ers lose uh, because no Joel Embiid is still out, so unfortunate there. Uh, goes into overtime. The Bucks. I mean, um, Giannis, he's not clutch, and we saw that at the free throw line. Um, let's see what his free throws are. I think he missed two in the fourth quarter with like two minutes left and really kind of maybe would have won him the game or put them out in front a little bit more. Five of eight from the free throw line, not clutch. Luckily, they were able to kind of squeeze it out. Let's see what happened here with the 76ers. Danny Green put up 18 points. He took 14 threes. Holy moly. He had 6 of 14 from the three. 18 points. 6 rebounds. Not terrible. Um, Tobias Harris, 19 points, 9 rebounds. He was the leading scorer of the squad, so that's not great. Seth Curry, 10 points, 2 of 8 from 3. Could be a little bit better. Um, yeah, and then Ben Simmons doing Ben Simmons things, 13 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds. So just unfortunately, the scoring production wasn't quite there for the 76ers. Tobias Harris couldn't step it up that much. Um, I mean, once when Joel Embiid's not in the starting lineup, points need to come from somewhere. So that's where we need Danny Green or Seth Curry or Tobias Harris to kind of step it up even more and none of them really stepped it up too much Danny Green had a decent night but he took 14 threes I mean you have to have 14 threes taken to have a decent night not great Alrighty, then the Kings beat the Wizards close here, 121-119. Uh, very well done to the Kings. And once again, two teams to stay away from. And I think this line was close, and we did advise to stay away from it. So once again, I mean, um, you know, we know what games to stay away from. So. Alrighty, the Cavs get back on track here against the Celtics. And once again, why we cannot trust the Celtics team is right here. Man, you lose to the Cavs who have been struggling. Now, their offense has been the best it's been. So let's see who stepped it up here. Um, just Larry Nance Jr., no Kevin Love in this game, so that's probably a huge reason why for the success of the Cavs, just kind of offensively. Darius Garland, 25 points. Colin Sexton, 29 points. Larry Nance Jr., 18 points, 10 rebounds. Isaac Okuru, 15 points. So the starting lineup really all got it done. Jared Allen, a little bit of a light night, 7 points and 7 rebounds, but everybody else in the starting lineup got it done. So that's kind of big for that, Celt or for that Cavs team. We'll see if they can keep it up now. Alrighty, Spurs, Bulls, Spurs 106, Bulls 99, Spurs get it done without DeMar DeRozan, not a good look for that Bulls team. Alrighty, and then another pick in our moneymaker, Warriors Rockets. We had Warriors minus 12. They win by 14. Yes, sir. We can never trust anything on this Rockets team. We know that they're trash offensively. Good game here by the Warriors. Um, not a big... I thought we were going to get a bigger win, like 20-point win, but I'll take a 14-point win here for the Warriors. Definite good kind of momentum building. Let's just see who was all scoring here. All right, Andrew Wiggins, 17 points. Draymond Green, wow, 16 points, 10 assists, and 12 rebounds. Triple-double for the man. Great game by him. Kelly Oubre Jr., 19 points. One of six from three definitely could be a little bit better. Seth Curry, 18 points, two of 11 from three, so definitely could be a little bit better here. And then look at this, Jordan Poole off the bench, 23 big old points in only 24 minutes. I'll give him that. So not a great night by this Warriors team. Draymond Green had a great game. Jordan Poole had a great game. Um, Andrew Wiggins had a little bit of an above average game with the 17 points. So not a big win here to build their confidence. Definitely I was expecting a lot better win, but we'll see if it's enough for them to kind of propel themselves back into kind of some decent wins and some decent games and not getting blown out. Alrighty, and then the game that broke our moneymaker, the Heat and the Grizzlies. I think we had like Heat plus one or minus one or something like that, and they lose by four. Truly unfortunate here by the Heat. I mean, losing to the Grizzlies. Ugh, the Grizzlies were just clowning the Grizzlies, but they only put up 89 points in the win. Nothing really great there. Uh, so we'll see 
Um, we're not going to count this loss for the Heat too much because they were just on a huge streak, five-game winning streak, 9-1 in their last 10. So they were still winning and getting it done. So we can give them a little bit of a loss here on the road against a decent team here in the Grizzlies. Um, Hornets Nuggets. We said the Hornets plus six was kind of calling us a little bit, but we knew it wasn't great value. That's why we stay away from it. And thank goodness we did because they lose by 25 points <laughs> against the Nuggets. So Nuggets were able to take care of business against the Hornets. Once again, not surprising to us. Joe Kick, let's see what he did in this game. 12 points, 10 assists, 12 or 10, 12 points, 10 assists, 10 rebounds. Kind of a little light on what he's doing. Cody Zeller had six points and three rebounds. So uh, maybe he played a little decent defense on Jokic, but he couldn't do anything offensively. Uh, Jamal Murray, 19 points. Michael Porter Jr. back at the three still and still having great success. So love that. 28 points, led the team in scoring. 13 rebounds, three of six from three, 64% overall shooting. So great night by Michael Porter Jr. Jamal Murray, 19 points, five assists, four rebounds. Everybody really getting it done in the starting lineup. And then for the Hornets here, LaMelo Ball only 14 points, Gordon Hayward only 7 points, P.J. Washington only 8 points, Cody Zeller only 6 points. So really, nobody getting it done in the starting lineup, and that's what we need this kind of Hornets team to do. We need everybody good in the starting lineup, and they were a little lackluster last night. Alrighty, and then the last game of the night, the Mavericks and the Clippers, and this was a second game in a back-to-back, -back, so we stayed away from it, and we should have just taken it. Mavericks plus two, we thought it was a good value, but it was in a back-to-back, -back, so we stayed away from it. Unfortunate for us of doing so, because the Mavericks kind of just beat the Clippers in the fourth quarter. Once again, why are, why do people like this Clippers team? Because of Kawhi Leonard? That's fine. I like Kawhi Leonard too, but nobody else on this team is good. They put up 89 points. They lose again against this Mavericks team. This Clippers team will not make it out of the first round of the playoffs. I do not care. Kawhi Leonard, 20 points, 7 assists, 7 rebounds on 42% shooting. Paul George had a pretty good game, and actually an actually really good game. Uh, 28 points, 5 assists, 7 rebounds, 5 of 8 from 3, and 50% overall from the field. So not bad. He led the team in scoring just literally nobody else doing anything good. 1, 2, 3, 4 players had 10 or more points. That is it. Only 4. Everybody else, 5, 3, 5, 3, 0, 0, 0. Um, so absolute trash scoring there by the Clippers. They have no great offense. It's not consistent at all. So um, this Clippers team is not good. Everybody needs to relax a little bit. I'm still getting kind of a little clowned in my YouTube video of our kind of mid-season um, finals prediction where we had the Clippers losing first round and we're still getting clowned for that. Why? They just lost to the Mavericks twice. Come on. Come on. Um, they're absolutely trash. I will call the Clippers trash. I've got no problem with doing so. Alrighty. Um... Should we do a moneymaker quickly? Let's just do it quickly. We're going to do it very quickly. Uh, so quickly, we're not even going to look at the ins and outs. So we'll just go based off the dome here. Alrighty, Jazz Wizards. Jazz minus 12. Wizards plus 12. Stay away from that. Uh, that's just too much to give up. Uh, Magic Knicks, Magic plus five. Knicks minus five. Not bad there by Knicks minus five. Uh, they've been, we're, we'll take that. We'll take Knicks minus five. I mean, uh, they've been absolutely great against these uh, top-tier teams. Nets and the 76ers just losing by like three or four points. Magic is nowhere near them. Look for the Knicks to get back on track, especially at home tonight. They had a tough two games against some real great competition. They come out and blow out the Magic tonight. Knicks minus five. Love it. Thunder, Hawks, Hawks. Minus seven, Thunder plus seven. That Thunder plus seven, if everybody's good to go, is decent value there. Uh, Shea Gillis-Alexander's really been getting it done. 
Well, we won't take it, though. <laughs> uh, Timberwolves, Suns. Timberwolves plus 10. Suns minus 10. Timberwolves have been playing decently hard these last couple of games, so we'll stay away from this game. I think that's, um, that's just too much to swallow for the Suns. Pelicans, Blazers, Blazers minus one, Pelicans plus one, and this is a second in the back-to-back, so we will stay away from it. Um, Pelicans, in their last meeting, Damian Lillard took over in the fourth quarter, so we'll see if he's able to do that again or just get off to a better start. And then the Hornets and the Lakers, Hornets plus eight, Lakers minus eight, and I do want to take that Hornets team, but once again, I, I can't get suckered into this. Um, this Hornets team should, I mean... They, I like uh, no Anthony Davis for the Lakers, but we still get Montrezl Harrell, who's going to lock it up. So Cody Zeller, not the greatest against Jokic. Jokic still had a triple double, and Cody Zeller had like six points and four rebounds, so he couldn't get anything done. Can't really see Cody Zeller doing too much against Montrezl Harrell either. So won't take the Hornets plus eight. We will extend this to a two teamer, and I think we are going to take the Thunder plus seven. We will take the Thunder plus seven. Let's get that locked in. Uh, Thunder plus seven, Knicks minus five. That's what we've got for our moneymaker today in the NBA uh, because we will have a moneymaker for the play-ins uh, of the March Madness. So let's go to our March Madness coverage now. We've been doing the South, the West, and the East predictions of the region of the March Madness Tournament the last three days on the show. And now it just comes to the culmination of the Midwest, and we will select the Final Four and who wins the March Madness today. So we will jump into that. Um, once again, we do we are hosting our own challenge on bracketchallenge.ncaa.com. The links are in the description of this video and on our social media. And if you just want to search us, you can search us if you go to bracketchallenge.ncaa.com and go to groups and search takes by fans under groups you can come and join us there winner of our tournament gets to come on the show and talk about any sports topic you want for as long as you want so if you want to try and knock me off and uh, come on the show here's your chance to do so Alrighty, and then to help us with our picks, we have our little own algorithm here. We'll quickly go through what we are kind of counting heavily and kind of all the uh, uh, components we are taking into a, account in our algorithm. We've got three-point percentage, fast break points per game, field goal percentage, opponents points per game, points in the paint per game, points per game, steals per game, rebound, rebound margin, offensive rebounds per game, adjusted performance, defensive efficiency, offensive efficiency, second chance points, true shooting percentage percentage assist to turnover ratio we have ranked all those things either low medium or high importance and that's what we are kind of using to base all of our picks off of in our algorithm and then if it gets close we go over to basketball.realgm.com to, to see what their depth chart is because we want great scoring bigs and then we want uh we want great scoring scoring guards and then we want great bigs down low as well so we if things get a little close here like the 49.9 and 51 of byu michigan we can go into the depth and see a little see a little bit deeper and that's why we call the upset of BYU over Michigan we like their players a little bit more Alrighty, so with all that being said, let's get to our bracket and keep on continuing on here so we are going to do the Midwest here then we'll do the final four and the championship game and then I do want to take a look at the spreads of the play-in games and see if there's any great value for kind of some March madness nice bets here tonight so let's get right into it here. Uh, here we go. 116 matchup, Illinois versus Drexel. Let's get them plugged into our algorithm and see what it's looking like here. Illinois, the one seed. Whoever we just said, uh, the other one is the 16 seed. All right, Illinois and 
Drexel. Illinois with a strong showing here with 57.9 out of 100. And Drexel, 36.3 out of 100, according to our algorithm. So here we go. Both shooting 37% from the threes, so great there. Field goal percentage, Illinois a little bit better with 49% compared to 47%. Opponents points per game, Illinois is holding you to 69 points a game. And Drexel's holding you to 66. Alrighty, some good defense there by Drexel. Points per game, Illinois is putting up 81, but Drexel's only putting up 71. So really only a 5-point win margin for Drexel, where Illinois is winning by 12 points a game. Um, what else do we get here? Rebound margin heavy in favor of Illinois. 9.7 for Illinois compared to 4.6 for Drexel. So they're out rebounding their opponents more than Drexel is. Adjusted. Oh, Drexel's trash, y'all. Drexel is trash. Adjusted performance is only 0.29 for Drexel. That's like the worst. If you're not at least 3.0 at adjusted performance of what we've been seeing just throughout the entire tournament, you are trash. You cannot take that team, especially when the adjusted performance of Illinois is 0.44. That's absolutely fantastic. And they're number one seed, so they're already great. And they're just compared to you know everybody else in their schedule, they should be even better. <laughs> so uh, absolutely fantastic here by Illinois. The last thing we'll look at is true shooting percentage. Illinois is uh, shooting 59% compared to 58% for Drexel. So everything is telling us to take Illinois, and we will do so. We've got no problem with that. We don't need, even need to see to go a little bit deeper into the depth charts. That is a clear-cut win for Illinois based on our algorithm. Alrighty, now let's go to the 8-9 matchup in the Midwest. We got um, Loyette Chicago. That is the one, I think, uh, is the one with the old woman, the old granny. That is kind of their mascot. Um all right, so Loyette, Chicago over uh, Georgia Tech. So let's plug them in. Loyola, Chicago. And Georgia Tech. Wow, Loyola, Chicago's got nice rating in our, power, in our uh, algorithm. Holy cow. And Georgia Tech... Alrighty, here we go. Loyola Chicago scoring 55.3 out of 100 points in our algorithm compared to 36 out of 100 for Georgia Tech. So let's go a little bit deeper into these stats now. Three-point percentage. Loyola Chicago shooting 36% compared to Georgia Tech's 34%. Field goal percentage, uh, Chicago's got 50 and compared to 47. So clear favorites of Loyola Chicago. Opponents points per game. Wow. LC holding you to 55 points a game. That's the lowest we've seen by anybody. Wow. Holding you to 55 points a game where Georgia Tech is holding you to 70. Oh, my God. No defense there in Chicago. All right. Our Georgia Tech, no defense there. Loyola, Chicago putting up 71 points a game where Georgia Tech's putting up 75. Rebound margin is in favor of Loyola Chicago 4.5 where Georgia Tech is minus 3.5. They've got no great bigs there in Georgia Tech. Alrighty, adjusted performance. Loyola Chicago is at 0.42. Georgia Tech is at 0.35. Um, and then, um, true shooting percentage. Oh my God. Loyola Chicago shooting 60% compared to Georgia Tech's 57%. So very close here. Well, not even that close. I mean, that defensive performance by Chicago and the lack of rebounding by Georgia Tech is why we're going to take Loyola Chicago as the winner. The eight seed beating the nine seed there. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Wow. 55 points a game holding you to holy moly. 
Alrighty. Now let's move on to Tennessee and Oregon State. A 5-12 matchup. Will we have another 5-12 upset? We did not get one in the East, but the West and the South were crawling, filled with 12-5 upsets. So here we go. Tennessee and Oregon State. Let's get them plugged in here. Alrighty, here we go. Tennessee scoring 38.4 points out of 100 according to our algorithm compared to 27.2 by Oregon State out of 100. So a little bit deeper into the stats. Now Oregon State shooting 35% from three. Tennessee's only shooting 33%. Uh, Tennessee shooting 44% field goal percentage compared to 43% from Oregon State. Opponents points per game. Tennessee's holding you to 63 points. Oregon State's holding you to 68 points. So nice favor there for Tennessee. Tennessee's putting up 72 points a game. Oregon's only putting up 70. So Oregon's only winning by two points a game. We do not like that small win margin. Tennessee's winning by nine, folks. All right, rebound margin, Tennessee's at 3.1. Oregon State's only at 0.5, so barely even a positive rebound margin for Oregon State. But Tennessee's only got 3.1, not that great either. Um, all righty, adjusted performance, Tennessee's at 0.37. Oregon State's at 0.30. And then true shooting percentage, both shooting 54%. So I do kind of want to go a little bit, little deeper into the depth chart here for these teams not because I feel like um, these are going to be close it's just uh, I do want to see what Tennessee is working with their numbers there in algorithm weren't too impressive winning by about nine points again that's decent that's actually good uh, but that's really their one great stat that we saw but I just want to see what they're kind of working with kind of player wise so let's go to Tennessee very quickly See what they've got on their roster. They got good guards, good bigs. What do they got going on over there? Alrighty, so Tennessee, depth chart. Alrighty. Point guard, 15 points a game and two assists. Shooting guard, 14 points and three assists. Small forward, eight points, three rebounds. Power forward, 8.7 rebounds. Center, seven points, three rebounds. Ugh. Ugh, all right, that's not great. That's actually not that great. Um, now I got to go to Oregon State. Got to see what they're working with. They got a good guard or good big? Let's see, Oregon State, depth chart. See what their players are working with. If there's the, the same lackluster, we'll take Tennessee, but we'll see. So here we go. Oregon State point guard, 14 points and two assists. Shooting guard, 12 points, three assists. Small forward, six points, two rebounds. Power forward, 13 points, nine rebounds. Center, five points, two rebounds. Oof. Man, I do kind of like Oregon's players a little bit better there. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Do we call the upset? The adjusted performance is not the greatest, though. That's The adjusted performance is throwing me off for Tennessee. And the, the win margin by Oregon State is kind of throwing me off as well. So I do like Oregon State's players a little bit, but I think we're going to count the win for Tennessee here. We're going to count the win officially as, as Tennessee. We're going to agree with our algorithm. All righty, now we go to OK State versus Liberty. 
Alrighty, Oklahoma State. Where are they at? Versus Liberty. Ooh, upset alert potential here. OSU only scoring 40 out of 100 points. And Liberty scoring 50 out of 100 points here. So here we go. Three-point shooting in Liberty's favor. 39% three shooting uh, compared to 33% from Oklahoma State. Field goal percentage shooting. Liberty shooting 49%. Oklahoma State shooting 46%. Opponents points per game. Holy moly. Liberty is holding you to 59 points a game where Oklahoma State's giving up 72 um, points per game. Oklahoma State is only putting up 77 points where Liberty's putting up 74. So only a five-point win margin for Oklahoma State where Liberty's almost at 20 points. It's like a 15-point win margin there. Fantastic. Rebound margin, both at 3.3, uh, 3.6 for Liberty, 3.3 for Oklahoma State. Adjusted performance, all righty. Oklahoma State's at 0.41. Liberty's at 0.36. True shooting percentage, Liberty shooting 61%. <laughs> Oklahoma State shooting 56%. So, great shooting team here by Liberty. They get it kind of done defensively as well, only holding you to uh, 59 points a game fantastic so I think we're gonna call the upset here Liberty over Oklahoma State now Oklahoma State does have a better adjusted performance so they should you know still be you know their stats should be a little bit better here but the way that Liberty is playing the way that they're shooting they're putting up almost the same amount of points a game we're gonna give it to Liberty here even though the adjusted performance tells us otherwise yes sir Liberty upsets the four seed 13 seed upsets the four seed yes sir Alrighty, now we go to San Diego State versus Syracuse. Alright, Syracuse plugged in, San Diego State plugged in. Oh, not an upset here, but uh, so here we go. Syracuse, uh, the 11 seed, scoring 32.6 points out of 100. San Diego State scoring 48.6 points out of 100. So clear favorites of San Diego State. Let's go a little bit deeper into these stats now. San Diego State, three-point shooting 37% compared to Syracuse, Syracuse's 33%. Um, San Diego State is shooting 45% uh, field goal percentage. Syracuse is shooting 44%. Alrighty, San Diego State's holding you to 60 points a game. Syracuse is holding you to 70. San Diego State's putting up 74 points a game. Syracuse is only putting up 75. So win margin is only 5 there for Syracuse, where it's 14 for San Diego State. So love that. Better shooting, better um, win margin. Rebound margin, 3.7 for San Diego State, negative 1.4 for Syracuse. So they suck on the bigs. They got no good bigs out there. Already adjusted performance. Ooh, San Diego, San Diego State, 0.46. Syracuse, 0.35. And then true shooting percentage here. Uh, San Diego State is shooting 56%. Syracuse is shooting 54 So, yes, clear favorites all day. San Diego State beats Syracuse. That's easy right there. Better, uh, They put up the same amount of points. Better defense there by San Diego State. Better shooting by San Diego State. Everything is in favor of San Diego State, so we will take San Diego State. Alrighty, moving on to West Virginia and Maryland. 
I don't know what that is. M-R-E-M-D. Okay, we'll try to figure that out. We'll try to decipher the code. <laughs> West Virginia. Here we go. He's in there. Easy, because that's easy. All righty. Now defined M-R-E-H-D. M-R-E-H-D. Moorhead State? Is it Moorhead State? Is that it? Oh, it is Moorhead State. Look at us. Yes, sir. All righty. So, Moorhead State versus West Virginia. Kind of close here. And, West, and Moorhead State's actually got the better number here. So, West Virginia putting up 34.2 points out of 100. And Moorhead State putting up 36.8 points out of 100 according to our algorithm. So, let's go a little bit deeper into these stats now. They are both shooting 35% from the three. Uh, Moorhead State's shooting 46% from the field. West Virginia is only putting up 42% from the field. So, not great shooting performance there by West Virginia. Opponents points per game. Moorhead State's holding it to 63. West Virginia is holding it to 72 points per game. West Virginia is putting up 77, but Moorhead State's only putting up 68. That's not great. Both only having five point win margins there, but uh, Moorhead State not getting it done offensively, only putting up 68 points a game. That's a little concerning. Steals per game, West Virginia clear favorites here. 7.5 steals a game compared to 4.4 for Moorhead State. Uh, rebound margin, ooh, big favors of Moorhead State here. Six for Moorhead State compared to 1.7 for West Virginia. Um, adjusted performance, 0.41 for West Virginia, 0.37 for Moorhead State. Defensive efficiency goes to Moorhead State, 86 compared to 91. Uh, lower number is better. Offensive efficiency goes to West Virginia, though. Higher number is better, 98 compared to 93. And then true shooting percentage, Moorhead State shooting 55% compared to 53% for West Virginia. So really close here. We are going to have to kind of go and see their depth of their players, which team is having a better overall roster. So let's start here with West Virginia since they're very close. <laughs> we can find them very quickly. So here we go. West Virginia's players here. Their point guard, 13 points a game, four assists. That's good. I like that number of assists there with those points. Uh, shooting guard. 13 points, no assists. Power forward, 8 points, 4 rebounds. Power, small forward is 8 points, 4 rebounds. Power forward, 8 points, 6 rebounds. Center is 12.7 rebounds. All right, so good guard and a good center there. Decent everything else. Now let's go to Moorhead State. Let's see what their players are looking like. All righty, Moorhead State. Ooh, all righty. Their point guard, three points a game, three assists. Their shooting guard, 12 points and one assist and seven rebounds. Their small forward, 16 points, four rebounds. Their power forward, eight points, five rebounds. Their center, ooh, 17 points, 12 rebounds. So Moorhead State has a good shooting guard and a good center. West Virginia has a good point guard and a good center. Good everything else. Good small forward here for Moorhead State. Really bad point guard here. This point guard is kind of trash. <laughs> KJ Hunt Jr. Um, he's kind of trash. <laughs> um, but everything else is pretty good here. Oh, man. This is close. Woof. This is truly close here. All righty. Let's call a winner here. We're going to go with West Virginia, better overall team, where Moorhead State has a liability at that point guard. We can't have that. So 
That's that's the one difference here. Everything else is real close, real tight. But uh, Moorhead State having a really bad, not good point guard, that's our one difference there for West Virginia. All righty, let's keep moving on here. Clemson and Rutgers now. I believe this is a 10-7 matchup. Uh, so Clemson... And Rutgers, Clemson not scoring very high on our <laughs> on our algorithm. Um, alrighty, then Rutgers right here, and Rutgers isn't scoring any better either. Alrighty, so here we go: twenty-six point five out of hundred for Clemson, twenty-seven point eight out of hundred for Rutgers. So very close. But let's go a little bit deeper into these stats now. Three-point percentage: Clemson shooting thirty-four percent from three, Rutgers only shooting thirty-one percent. Field goal percentage, Clemson's only shooting 42% from the field. Rutgers is shooting 45%. Opponents points per game, Clemson's holding you to 62. Rutgers is holding you to 68. Clemson's putting up 65. Rutgers is putting up 70. Three-point win margin for Clemson. Two-point win margin for Rutgers. Not good for either side. Yikes. Alrighty, rebound margin. Trash as well. Oh, wow. These are two real bad teams. Oh, my goodness. Rebound margin is 0.3 for Clemson and negative 0.2 for Rutgers. So, both not having clear good bigs. Adjusted performance, Clemson. Alrighty, 0.39 for them. Rutgers is 0.32. So, Clemson facing, you know, harder teams out here. That's why they're not that good. <laughs> um, Alrighty, and then let's go to uh, true shooting percentage. Clemson shooting 53%, Rutgers shooting 52%. So once again, we're going to have to go down to these players and see who's getting it done because these are not good stats for any of these teams. Really trash. <laughs> really, really not good at all. Alrighty, so we're going to have to go to our tiebreaker here in the depth chart. Who's got the better players? Who are we feeling more confident with? Alrighty, Clemson's up first. Alrighty, their point guard, Nick Honor, five points and three assists, but he does have a rotation of another point guard that's putting up 11 points and two assists, so not bad there. Their shooting guard, eight points and one assist. Their power forward, six points, four rebounds. Power forward, 11.6 rebounds. Center, 13.7 rebounds. Alrighty, so kind of decent here. They got nice depth there at the point guard position for Clemson. Everything else is pretty decent, I would say. Alrighty, now let's go to Rutgers. Let's see what their players are looking like. Do they have depth anywhere? Alrighty, Rutgers depth chart. Alrighty, their point guard, 14 points and 4 assists. Fantastic. They got a great point guard. No rotation at their point guard, but good point guard. Um, shooting guard, six points, one assist, small forward, 10 points, three rebounds, power forward, 15.6 rebounds in their center, seven points and nine rebounds. So we're going to take Rutgers here because of their absolutely great point guard here and good everything else. They got a great power forward, 15.6 rebounds, their center, seven points, nine rebounds. That's pretty good. And then the good ability of their scoring point guard, 14 points and four assists. We'll get behind that. Alrighty. So in a close one. We're going to choose Rutgers upsetting Clemson at the 10-7 matchup. Alrighty, Rutgers looking good out there. Um, Alrighty, now we get Houston and uh, Clemson State. What's uh, Cleveland State? Something? CLE State. So Houston, the 215 matchup here. 
Alrighty, let's get Houston plugged in first. Now we're going to have to figure out um, Cleveland State, <laughs> whatever that is. Alrighty, CLE, CLE. What do we got for seeds? Cleveland State, there it is. Alrighty. Alrighty, big old favorites here of Houston. 59.4 in our algorithm compared to only 29 out of 100 for Cleveland State. Alrighty, three-point percentage. Houston is at 35% from three. Cleveland State's at 31%. Field goal percentage, ooh, Houston is not shooting well. Holy cow, their field goal percentage is trash. 43% and compared to 45% by Cleveland State. So Cleveland State shoots better. All right, opponents, points per game. Holy cow, Houston's holding you to 58. Cleveland State's holding you to 70. And Houston is putting up 77 points a game where Cleveland State is only putting up 71. So a one-point win margin for Cleveland State where we get a 20, a 19-point win margin for Houston. Fantastic. Wow, fantastic. Rebound margin, 11 for Houston, negative 0.8 for Cleveland State. So they're going to get out-rebounded uh, absolutely in this game. Um, Alrighty, what else do we get here? Let's do true shooting percentage. Houston shooting 55, 55%. Cleveland State shooting 53%. So hands down, easily, no brainer here. Houston with a nice win over Cleveland State. Alrighty, now we're done with the first round in the Midwest. So let's head on to the second round here. In our second round matchup, we got Illinois versus um, Loyal Chicago. Alrighty, so let's get them plugged in. Illinois, Loyola, Loyola, Chicago. We'll call him LC because I'm sick of pronouncing Loyola. Um, all right, so here we go. Illinois shooting 37, or let's just do the points. Uh, Illinois 57.9 out of 100. LC 55 out of 100. So here we go. Three-point shooting, better for Illinois, 50, 37% from three for Illinois, 36% for LC. Illinois shooting 49% from the field. LC shooting 50%. Illinois holding you to 69 points a game. LC holding you to 55. Illinois putting up 81 points a game. LC putting up 71. So a nice kind of 12-point win margin for Illinois and a 16-point win margin for LC already. Um, rebound margin, 9.7 for Illinois, 4.5 for LC. Adjusted performance LC, man, wow. Uh, 0.44 for Illinois, but a 0.42 for LC, so they get it done, man. They get it done. Um, alrighty, defensive efficiency, lower numbers better. 88 for Illinois, 81 for LC. And in offensive efficiency, they're both at 104. Alright, true shooting percentage, 60% for LC, 59 for Illinois. And man, oh man, this one is close as well, man. The only thing that is giving me pause is that Illinois is, shoot, is putting up more points a game, but they both have the same amount of offensive efficiency, and LC's defensive efficiency is better. Man, Illinois is almost giving up 14 more points a game than LC, where Illinois is only scoring 10 more points than LC is. Do we call the upset of Loyola Chicago? Let's see what their roster is looking like right here. 
And then we'll see if they face because they are in the same conference, I believe. So LC's players, they got a 13, their point guard putting up 13 points and four assists. Then they have a second rotation at the point guard, six points and three rebounds, or one assist and three rebounds. That's not bad for the second, for the bench. Then the shooting guard, eight points, one assist, power, small forward, nine points, four rebound, power forward, six points, four rebound, center, 15.7 rebounds. Alrighty, now let's uh, man, let's look at Illinois' depth chart, and then we'll see if they have a head-to-head -head matchup anywhere. Alrighty, Illinois point guard six points and one assist. Their bench point guard, holy cow, fourteen points and three assists. Their shooting guard ten points, three assists. Their small forward nineteen points, six rebounds. Their power forward five points, three rebounds. Their center sixteen points, eight rebounds. Holy cow! Everybody's getting it done here. Everybody with the points and with something else as well here for Illinois. Let's see if, if they have a head-to-head -head meeting here in the regular season. And they do not. Darn, they did not meet each other in the regular season. Oof. Alrighty. Illinois got some nice offensive pieces, but LC with the defense. Ugh, this one is tough to call. We are going to do we call the upset though? I was a little bit more impressed with uh, Illinois players though. So we are gonna have to go with Illinois. Their rebound margin is better, and I like their bigs a little bit better too. So we will go Illinois over uh LC unfortunate but it is close it is close Alrighty, now we get tennessee and liberty in the second round let's get them plugged in here all right tennessee liberty and liberty has it all day tennessee only putting up 38.4 out of 100 liberty putting up 50.7 out of 100 in our algorithm Three-point shooting goes to Liberty, shooting 39% compared to 33%. Field goal percentage is at 49% for Liberty, 44% for Tennessee. Opponents' points per game, Liberty's holding you to 59, Tennessee's holding you to 63. Tennessee's putting up 72 points a game, Liberty's putting up 74 points a game. Um, already rebound margin, 3.1 for Tennessee, 3.6 for Liberty. Adjusted performance, 3.7 for Tennessee, 3.6 for Liberty. And then true shooting percentage, Liberty shooting 61%, Tennessee shooting 54%. So I am going to give it to Liberty with this upset here. I like it. Their offensive production is fantastic, folks. They can shoot the ball and, you know, push comes to shove. Who is going to hit the shots here in these tournaments? I'm going to take great offensive efficiency all day. So Liberty with the upset over Tennessee. Alrighty, now we get the San Diego State West Virginia in the second round of 6-3 matchup. San Diego State West Virginia Alrighty, San Diego State clear favorites in another upset potential here. San Diego State scoring 48.6 points out of 100. West Virginia scoring 34.2 points out of 100. Alright, the stats now. San Diego State shooting 37% from three. West Virginia shooting 35% from three. 
field goal percentage. San Diego State putting up 45% from the field. West Virginia putting up 42% from the field. San Diego State holding you to 60 points a game. West Virginia holding you to 72 points a game. San Diego State putting up 74 points a game. West Virginia putting up 77 points a game. So a 14-point win margin for San Diego State compared to a 5-point win margin for West Virginia. All right. Um, both putting up 27 points per, uh, per game in the paint. Rebound margin, 3.7 for San Diego State, 1.7 for West Virginia. Adjusted performance is 0.46 for San Diego State, 0.41 for West Virginia. And the true shooting percentage, 56% for San Diego State, 53% for West Virginia. So we're calling another upset here. Yes, sir. Once again, give me the offense. They put up the points. They put up the, basically the same amount of points every single game that West Virginia does on better efficiency. And they put up and they hold you to less points. So the good defense there from San Diego State. Watch out for San Diego State. They're going to be slept on in this tournament, folks. Yes, sir. Alrighty, so another upset here, the sixth seed beating the three seed there. Alrighty, and then the last round or the last matchup here in the second round, Rutgers versus Houston. Let's get them plugged in. This this Houston team is truly impressive, man. They score high on our um on our algorithm. This team could come out of the, the Midwest, truly. Alright, now we go Rutgers. Let's get them paired up in here. Alrighty and clear. I mean almost double. <laughs> Double them. Uh, so Houston scoring 59.4 points out of 100. Rutgers scoring 27.8. So this one should be an easy no-brainer. But let's just go through a couple of these stats here. Houston scoring 35% from three. Rutgers putting up 31% from three. Um, Rutgers does have a better field goal percentage, 45% compared to 43% from Houston from the field. And that's our one knock on Houston. They're not the greatest field goal percentage shooting team. Alrighty, Houston holds you to 58 points a game. Rutgers holds you to 68, and Houston puts up 77, and Rutgers puts up 70. So once again, the two-point win margin for Rutgers is absolutely trash. The rebound margin from Rutgers is negative 0.2 compared to Houston at 11. And then the true shooting percentage, shooting 55% from Houston and 52% from Rutgers. So yes, we are taking Houston. That is a no-brainer. Alrighty, now let's advance to the Sweet 16 here in the Midwest. We get Illinois versus Liberty. I think Liberty is going to be able to kind of rival them a little bit, folks. Alrighty, now let's get Liberty plugged into here. Man, oh man, close here. 57.9 out of 100 for Illinois, 50.7 for Liberty. Alrighty, three-point shooting is better for Liberty, shooting 39% compared to 57% from Illinois. Field goal percentage, both shooting 49% from the field. Illinois holds you to 69 points a game. Liberty holds you to 59 points a game. Illinois puts up 81 points a game, but Liberty puts up 74. So a 12-point win margin for Illinois where we have a 15-point win margin for Liberty. Rebound margin is heavy in Illinois' favor, 9.7 compared to 3.6 for Liberty. Adjusted performance is Illinois heavy, 0.44 compared to 0.36 for Liberty. Alrighty, look at this. Liberty, a lower number for defensive efficiency is better. Liberty's got 87 compared to 88 for Illinois. And Liberty has a better offensive efficiency. Higher numbers better, 109 compared to 104. So that's a little interesting. True shooting percentage, 61% for Liberty and 59% for Illinois. 
Alrighty, so that is interesting. The offensive and defensive efficiency for Liberty is better, but what I like for Illinois that I think we're going to take them on is the rebound margin is heavy in Illinois' favor, and the adjusted performance is definitely heavy in Illinois' favor too. So for those two reasons alone, we are going to take Illinois over Liberty. All right, so Illinois gets to the final four or to the final round there in the Midwest. Now let's do San Diego State and Rutgers. Oh, no, no, no. Wow, we picked it wrong. It was Houston. Oof. All right, good thing we caught that. So it's San Diego State and Houston. I was going to say Rutgers was absolute trash. <laughs> All right, here we go. San Diego State. And Houston. Alrighty, clear favorites here by Houston. San Diego State putting up 48.6 points out of 100. Houston at 49.4. Alright, the stats now. San, San Diego State better at shooting the three. 37% from the three compared to 35% from the three from Houston. Um, San Diego State putting up 45% from the field. 43% from Houston. Opponents points per game. Houston's holding you to 58. San Diego State's holding you to 60. Points per game, San Diego State's putting up 74, and Houston's putting up 77. Rebound margin, once again, heavy in Houston's favor, 11 compared to San Diego State. Adjusted performance, ooh, very close here, 0.47 from Houston, 0.46 from San Diego State. Defensive efficiency, lower numbers better in favor of Houston, 77 compared to 83. Offensive efficiency, higher numbers better. That goes to Houston as well, 103 compared to 101. And then the true shooting percentage, 56% from San Diego State and 55% from Houston. Alrighty, so very, very close here. The one thing that is just kind of drawing my focus heavy and really the determining factor here is the rebound margin. Great bigs here getting those boards. If you have a 10-plus rebound margin, that's absolutely fantastic, and Houston does. So we are going to take Houston over San Diego State. So then we have Illinois in Houston in the final two, so let's get them plugged in to see who's coming out of the Midwest, and then we can determine who will win the entire thing. So here we go, Houston in Illinois. And very close here, Illinois 57.9 out of 100, Houston 59.4. All right, the stats now, Illinois better three-point shooting, 37% from Illinois, 35% from Houston from three. Field goal percentage, 49% from Illinois and 43% from Houston. That field goal percentage from Houston is absolutely killer with only 43%. Alrighty, opponents points per game, 69 points. Uh, Illinois is holding you to. Houston's holding you to 58. Illinois is putting up 81 points a game. Houston's putting up 77. Rebound margin is very close. Houston at 11 um, and Illinois at 9.7. Offensive rebounds a game. Houston's at 13. Illinois is at 9. Adjusted performance. Illinois is at 0.44. Houston's at 0.47. Defensive efficiency, lower numbers better. Houston's at 77 compared to Illinois at 88. Offensive efficiency, higher numbers better. Illinois at 104. Houston's at 103. Right, right on each other. True shooting percentage, 59% from Illinois compared to 55% from Houston. And that's really what it's going to come down to here. Who's got the better shooters? And Houston just does not have the shooters. That's where the difference is. They both have good bigs, as we see, you know, 
the points in the paint per game. Illinois is at 38. Houston's at 29. The rebound margin is, you know, 9.7 for Illinois, 11.1 for Houston. So they do have some good bigs here. But the one difference is that Illinois has a little bit of better shooting on their roster. So we're going to go with the better shooting, Illinois over Houston. So Houston officially comes out of the mid or uh, Illinois officially comes out of the Midwest. Um, although Houston can get it done, folks, they truly can get it done. Um, alrighty, did they face each other <laughs> this season? Let's just see. They did not. They did not. Alrighty, alrighty. Let's look at Illinois' depth chart real quick. What was that again? What do we like? Their depth. Uh, let's go to Houston's depth chart real quick before we officially lock that in. Uh, it's so close. It's so close. Um, alrighty. Here we go. Houston. Man, we may switch this to Houston, maybe. Um, their point guard, 14 points and 5 assists a game. Their shooting guard, 11 points, 2 assists. Their small forward, 19 points, 4 rebounds. Their power forward, 11 points and 6 rebounds. But their center, 4 points, 3 rebounds. Not a great big there. But everything else, they got some nice guards. But like we said, that shooting percentage from Houston, we really can't rely on it too much. Alrighty, so let's go back here to the final four. So now we got Gonzaga out of the east or out of the west, Baylor out of the south, BYU out of the east, and Illinois out of the midwest. So let's run the final four in our algorithm here. So let's get this matchup, Gonzaga-BYU. Gonzaga versus BYU. Alrighty, and clear favorites of Gonzaga scoring 78.6 out of 100 in our algorithm. By far the highest out of anybody, I believe. Um, and BYU, 49.9 out of 100. So here we go, the stats. Uh, BYU shoots better from three, 37% compared to 36% from Gonzaga. Field goal percentage is better from Gonzaga shooting 55% from the field compared to 48% from BYU. Opponents points per game by BYU holding you to 68, Gonzaga holding you to 69 points per game, Gonzaga putting up 92 points a game, wild, and uh, BYU is only putting up 78. I mean, Gonzaga's got a 23-point win margin, <laughs> wild. Um, alrighty, rebound margin, 8 for BYU, 7.4 for Gonzaga. Adjusted performance, 0.54 for Gonzaga, 0.45 for BYU. Um, offensive efficiency, a higher number is better. Gonzaga's at 114 compared to 102 for BYU. And then the true shooting percentage, 64% for Gonzaga and 58% for BYU. So, I mean, Gonzaga clearly all day. I mean, they're one of the best teams here in this kind of tournament here um, that we've been seeing. And then the second matchup in the Final Four, B Baylor and Illinois. Baylor. Illinois in clear favorites by a BYU here, 64.9 out of 100, where Illinois is at 57.9. Now the three-point shooting, Baylor's at 41% from three compared to 37% from Illinois. Field goal percentage, both shooting 49%. 
Uh, BYU holds or Baylor holds you to 66 points a game. Illinois holds you to 69. Baylor puts up 84. Illinois puts up 81. Steals per game. Baylor's at nine. Illinois is only at 5.7. Rebound margin. Ooh, okay. Baylor's at 4.3. Illinois is at 9.7. Offensive rebounds a game, though. Baylor's at 11 a game, and Illinois is at nine. Adjusted performance. Baylor's at 0.48. Illinois is at 0.44. Um, all right, true shooting percentage, both at 59%, so very close here. What I do want to give, I am going to choose Baylor because of the adjusted performance is better. The one thing that I do like about Illinois better than Baylor, though, is that offensive margin, that offensive or that rebound margin, um, a five better rebounds than uh, Baylor's. Um, their margin so that's really the only thing else but um i mean baylor shooting better than them i mean they're just shooting better so we're gonna go with the better shooters in baylor very close though they just they are just better at shooting the three um alrighty, so we got baylor beating illinois and then we get to baylor in gonzaga and i think what we know what we're gonna do here i think we're gonna choose gonzaga but let's get these uh the stats side by side just to make sure gonzaga i mean oh my goodness i mean folks here we go baylor still has the better three-point shooter uh 41 compared to 36 percent field goal percentage though is in gonzaga's favor shooting 55 percent compared to 49 percent of baylor um gonzaga holds you to 69 points a game baylor holds you to 66 points a game but that 92 points a game that gonzaga puts up is wild compared to 84 um rebound margin is in favor of gonzaga 7.4 compared to 4.3 adjusted performance i mean the highest we've seen 0.54 from gonzaga 0.48 for baylor Defensive efficiency, both at 85. Offensive efficiency, a higher number is better, 114 compared to 109 for Gonzaga. And then the true shooting percentage, Gonzaga is at 64%, so compared to 59%. So we will have Gonzaga winning it all. We've got Gonzaga winning it all. And let's do a point tiebreaker here and we're just going to go to whatever they're putting up every single game folks 92 to 84 that is our final score gonzaga winning 92 to 84 high scoring national championship game but we've got gonzaga winning it folks yes sir out of four after four days of picking and running simulations through our algorithm congratulations to gonzaga you are the 2021 march madness champions congratulations congratulations um all righty can we look at our bracket real quick Where's our bracket? We can't look at ours yet. Is that right? No, it's right here. Alrighty. Um, so I do want to kind of quickly go back to kind of see what were what was Obama's kind of you know picks. He does choose Gonzaga to win. We do agree there with Barry. Uh, but let's kind of just take another look here in the Midwest. Any other upsets? What are the upsets that we called? So we get a nice look. Um, we get to Liberty. We think Liberty is going to go pretty far. And we like San Diego State uh, going decently far as well. So let's see what Obama's got. He does not agree with the Liberty pick. Wow, does not is not calling the Liberty pick. He does have San Diego and Houston getting to the uh, uh, Sweet 16. So that's good. Uh, we like that as well. He does have Houston going against Illinois in the finals in the Midwest. And then Illinois coming out. 
He's got Gonzaga beating Michigan. We've got Gonzaga beating BYU. He's got uh, Illinois beating Baylor. We have Baylor beating Illinois. So we've got a Gonzaga-Baylor final, and Obama's got uh, Gonzaga-Illinois final. All righty. All righty. Alrighty, now the final thing I want to do now is look at some moneymakers for today's NCAA tournament because we do have the play-in games today starting at 5 o'clock. So let's see if we get any great value here and let's see what we get. So the first one up is Mount St. Mary's versus Texas Southern. Let's, let's put these two teams in our algorithm and see which one is uh, clear favorites here and then we'll choose it's only the close the spread is closed so hopefully the uh, algorithm is not close mount st mary's and texas southern all righty mount st mary's where are we at and texas southern Alrighty, clear favorites here by Texas Southern. They don't th shoot the three well, only shooting 27% from three, but they shoot 45% from the field. They put up 74 points a game. They hold you to 69. Mount St. Mary's only has a one-point win margin. Texas Southern has a five-point win margin. We like that. Um, rebound margin is both at five, so they are both... Mm, basically the same there but um yeah texas southern puts up more points so here we go we're choosing texas southern to beat mount st mary's and we get a point and we get a point so we'll take it texas southern plus one love it all right now we get drake and wichita state let's plug them into our algorithm drake and wichita state Oh, wow. Clear favorites here by Drake. 51.8 out of 100 in our uh, algorithm compared to Wichita State, 28.1. Um, Drake is shooting 37% from three, 49% from the field, holding you to 64 points, putting up 77 points. Wow, that's good. They have a 13-point win margin, folks. That's absolutely fantastic. Their rebound margin is 4.6 compared to negative 0.8 by Wichita State, so getting out-rebounded, not good. Um, and their true shooting percentage is 57%. So, yes, Drake heavily here. Yes. And they, so we only have to swallow two and a half here. Drake minus two and a half. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. All righty. Now we get Norfolk State versus Appalachian State. Let's get them in our algorithm. Norfolk, where are we at? Alrighty, close here. Norfolk State, 31.4 points in our algorithm compared to 28.9 points compared for Appalachian State. Uh, Norfolk State is better at the three-point shooting at 36%. Better field goal percentage at 43%. They hold you to 69 points a game, put up 75 points. Um, Appalachian State holds you to 64 points and puts up 70 points. So six-point win margin for Appalachian State. Six-point win margin for Norfolk State. Rebound margin is close, 1.3 for Appalachian State, 0.7 for Norfolk. 
<sighs> very close here. Very, very close here. True shooting percentage, 54% for Norfolk State and 53% for Appalachian State. So uh, Norfolk State is getting 3.5 points. So we will take that. We will take the points here in this uh situation here two close teams norfolk state is actually scoring higher in our algorithm and they're getting three plus 3.5 points three and a half points uh so we'll take that and then the last game ucla versus michigan state Let's get them plugged in, and here we go. All righty, clear favorites of UCLA. 35.3 uh, points out of 100 compared to 21.2 points out of 100 for Michigan State. So uh, UCLA is shooting 36% from three. Um, they're shooting 46% from the field. They hold you to 68 points a game. They score 72 points a game, so a four-point win margin for UCLA compared to a... Um, a loss. Uh, Michigan State is uh, giving up 70 points a game and only scoring 69, so they're losing. We can't take that. We have to choose UCLA just based off that alone. The rebound margin is in UCLA's favor, 4.8 compared to 3.5. Um, alrighty, what else do we get here? Adjusted performance, 3.35 for UCLA, 0.29 for Michigan State. And true shooting percentage, 55% for UCLA and 52% for Michigan State. So in our algorithm, we do like UCLA. Let's see how many points we have to swallow. Oh, we get points. We're getting the better team with points here, folks. Fantastic. UCLA plus two and a half. We'll take it. We like them to win outright. Alrighty, so here it is, folks. The moneymaker for today's play-in games. Texas Southern plus one. Drake minus two and a half. Norfolk State plus three and a half. And UCLA plus two and a half. Our algorithm agrees. We like all these great points here with the better teams in our opinion. We will take all these picks. Alrighty, and this is going to tell us initially, is our algorithm on par? Is it on pace or not? So we'll know kind of by tonight, by the end of tonight, is our algorithm good? Should we make any last... Last second changes? I don't think we are, but if our algorithm is not great and we lose all four of these games here, we may be in a little trouble in our uh, overall bracket, but we'll see what happens tonight. Um, so nice little four-teamer here for tonight. Alrighty, that is going to do it for us today. Let's see if anything is breaking while we were gone, while we were alive. Chargers, oh, Chargers get Jared Cook, tight end. That's fantastic. He's a huge, great tight end, a great safety blanket for Justin Herbert going into his second year. That's a great pickup. All righty, anything else? Not looking anything else. What is this? Patrick Peterson. Oh, yes, sir. Patrick Peterson going to the Vikings. Well, Mike Zimmer said he wanted to shore up that defense, saying it was trash. Patrick Peterson, a career great corner. He is kind of in the back end of his career, aging out of this league a little bit. We'll see if he still has got anything left in the tank here. Playing for Arizona, I think, uh, for the last couple of seasons. Now going to the Vikings. Great pickup there. Philip Lindsay is still not picked up. A little disrespectful. Get that man on a team. Ooh, Texans releasing veteran tight end Darren Fells. I think that man's pretty good. I'll look at his stats, but I think he's close to uh I think he's been close to a thousand yard receiving a couple of times. Solid five to six hundred, I would say. Alrighty. So some good news so far. Alright.
Alrighty, that's going to do it for us today, folks. We are very close. We're about four hours out from tip-off of March Madness, folks. Play in games today at 5 o'clock, so get ready, get pumped, make some money. We will be doing so. We'll see you tomorrow once March Madness begins, folks. We go live at noon. First game tips off at 12.15, so we're going to be watching live, talking about it live. We're here, folks. So we're here for March Madness. Cannot wait. Bracket is finished up. We've got our winner. Congratulations, Gonzaga. Tons of upsets all throughout. It's going to be a good one. Going to be a crazy one to make up for none last year. Alrighty, folks, we're back tomorrow live, noon Eastern, watching March Madness, baby. Woof! Yes, sir! It's, it's here! It's here! <laughs> March Madness, folks. Yes, sir! Alrighty, we're out.